Do the COVID vaccines actually prevent cases of COVID? We're going to find out today by looking at a really interesting paper that just came out. Come on, let's go take a look. The following is the audio version of a video released at peakprosperity.com. Visit peakprosperity.com to watch the video and to find other insightful content such as articles, discussion forums, and exclusive subscriber-only content. Hello everyone, Dr. Chris Martinson here, and today, uh, October 19th, 2021, we're going to be discussing a very interesting paper that just came out. Heck, let's go straight to it. Let's not beat around the bush. So here's the paper. It's uh, by... Um, Subramanian and Kumar. Subramanian comes to us from Harvard Center for Population and Developments, uh, that's in Cambridge, and also from the Department of Social and Behavioral Sciences, as well as Akhil Kumar, Turner Fenton Secondary School. Interestingly, uh, that's a secondary school. Uh, that's a high school. So I, I guess uh, Akhil Kumar helped to run some statistics, and uh, Subramanian was um, lead author on this whole thing. So let's take a look. What a title. And by the way, this is in the European Journal of Epidemiology. And of course, I'm going to have to get my drawing tool out here. Got it. Look at this title here. European Journal of Epidemiology uh, just came out very recently. Increases in COVID-19 are unrelated to levels of vaccination across 68 countries and 2,947 counties in the United States. Unrelated. It's not quite how I was told it was going to be. I'm pretty sure I was told that uh, these things are very effective. Um, so this is cases. Again, this isn't hospitalizations. This isn't deaths. But we're talking cases, and that's important. I'll show you why in just a minute. So let's go in. What did they do in this particularly interesting paper? Methods. What did they do? Well, uh, they used COVID-19 data provided by Our World in Data. So we hope that's accurate. I got to tell you, there's some questions about how accurate that data is or the hospitalization data, the death data. Do people actually have, are they in the hospital because of COVID or are they in the hospital and happen to also have COVID? Are those tests even when they do test positive, real or false positives? I tell you, it's a little bit murky, a little bit, a lot messier than it really needs to be at this stage. But that's what they did. They looked at our world and data for cross-country analysis available as of the 3rd of September, 2021. They included 68 countries that met the following criteria. First, had second dose vaccine data available and had COVID-19 case data available and had population data available and had the uh, last update of data was within uh, three days prior to or on September 3rd. And for the seven preceding days uh, prior to September 3rd, they computed the COVID-19 cases per 1 million people for each country, as well as the percentage of population that's fully vaccinated. So I think we can see what we're doing here. This makes sense, right? They, the question should be, listen, if you have people and you know how many people have had that second vaccine, so they're fully vaccinated, there ought to be some relationship, right, between rates of vaccination, fully vaccinated, and rates of infections that are coming through. Now, these are the breakthrough infections. So you would think, well, I'll let you form your hypothesis and then we'll go see what they actually found. Uh, what did they find? Hmm. It's a little bit concerning here. At the country level, there appears to be no discernible relationship between percentage of population fully vaccinated and new COVID-19 cases in the last seven days. No discernible relationship between percentage vaccinated and 
new COVID-19 cases in, within at least the seven-day window they're looking at. So that's running against all the official narratives, right? That's not how this is supposed to be working, of course. We would be thinking that, remember, the original reason for mandating the vaccines because we want to put the pandemic behind us. And the way you do that is you vaccinate people and then they can't catch or transmit the disease. Now, we know that that's still possible, but even still, you would think it would be blunting it because we've also heard, or maybe you haven't, but I have, lots and lots and lots of reports that say, well, sure, people who are vaccinated can catch COVID, but they don't get very sick. They get through it very quickly and they tend not to transmit it. Now, if that's the case, you would still think that with more people who are doing a poor job of catching and transmitting it because they're fully vaccinated, that we would see lower and lower rates of transmission. That would be the hypothesis. In fact, they say here, continuing on, quote, the trend line suggests a marginally positive association such that countries with higher percentage of population fully vaccinated have higher COVID-19 cases per 1 million people. In fact, the trend line suggests a marginally positive association, they say here. Hmm, that's weird. All right, we'll uh, look at that. What are their other findings? Continuing, quote, notably, Israel, with over 60% of their population fully vaccinated, had the highest COVID-19 cases per 1 million people in the last seven days. Hmm. So I don't think that's how that's supposed to go at all. It's not how any of this is supposed to go. The lack of a meaningful association between percentage population fully vaccinated and new COVID-19 cases is further exemplified, for instance, by comparison of Iceland and Portugal. Both countries have over 75% of their population fully vaccinated and have more COVID-19 cases per 1 million people than countries such as Vietnam and South Africa that have around 10% of their population fully vaccinated. Pretty sure that's not how this is supposed to be working at all, particularly when you get to the, the idea that we have vaccine mandates and they're vaccine mandates. We just heard the president of the United States two weeks ago on this show. I showed you a clip of him saying in an address, which he read off a teleprompter. So this is a prepared speech prepared by people in his staff. So this is the view of the White House saying that people and particularly healthcare workers need to be fully vaccinated. Why? Because when they're fully vaccinated, according to the president and his staff, they cannot transmit COVID-19 to their patients. Full stop. Those are the words they used. So this that doesn't really make sense, though, because here we're not seeing that association, which ought to be. The more vaccinated you are, the lower the transmission rate for cases. And we would measure that on a per one million basis. That's the right way to do this, because what we want to do is population adjust it. How many people per million are vaccinated? You get a percentage. How many people per million are catching uh, the uh, COVID-19 or SARS-2 in this case? So what does this look like? This is interesting. I know this was a little small on the axis, so I, I labeled them out so you could see them more easily. The uh, y-axis here, cases per 1 million. And here's the vaccinated percent going from lower to higher. So this, this is more highly vaccinated. And what you would want to see, of course, is if you had a very high cases per million count, you would want to see this dive over time like this. You would want to see it come down and down and down such that there would be some magic threshold, some herd immunity number out there at the 70, 70, 75, Fauci's 80, 85, do I hit 90, right? It keeps talking about like there's some magic number where you reach herd immunity. So you would want to see the cases per million just keep falling off. In a perfect world, that's what we would see. We would see a line that slopes downward from left to right, from higher to lower. And at some magic threshold for herd immunity, we would see 
no more cases. That's not what we see. So let me get that line off of there. In fact, we see this line right here, which is actually going this way. And that's why they said there was a positive association, which is very odd. The more highly vaccinated you are, the more cases you're likely to see when you have a positive association. The other line I drew, this would have been the negative association line that would look like that. But that's not the line we see. So this is what happens when you use the data that they found and you just plot it all out. So again, 68 uh, countries are on here. And here's Israel, who they mentioned. They have the, the highest rates up here with about, I don't know, 6,500 um, cases per million uh, people showing up with cases. So again, a case is a case. doesn't have to be symptomatic. doesn't necessarily mean, you know, that somebody's gone to the hospital. In fact, there's still relatively positive numbers on that front. But in terms of cases, in terms of catching this thing and passing it on, there doesn't seem to be an association here with the rates of vaccination, which is interesting. In fact, it's almost like there's no relationship uh, at all. So they wrote here in their discussion, they said of the top five counties, that's in the United States because they did 2,900 plus counties, of the top five counties in the U.S. that have the highest percentage of population fully vaccinated. So these are counties that had anywhere from 99.9, that's very high, to 84.3% fully vaccinated. The U.S. Centers for Disease Control and Prevention identifies four of them as high transmission counties. And that would be uh, Chattahoochee in Georgia, McKinley in New Mexico, uh, Arecibo in Puerto Rico, um, these are all counties that have above 90% of their population fully vaccinated with all three being classified as high transmission. Conversely, of the 57 counties that have been classified as low transmission counties by the CDC, 26.3% of them, that's 15, have um, percentage of population fully vaccinated below 20%. That's why I wrote in the title, like, it's almost like there's no relationship Right. So but because what would you expect? Of course, this is what we would expect. We'd expect a very clear relationship, especially by the time we get to counties with ninety nine point nine percent vaccinated. They should have nothing running around if this vaccine is even marginally effective at preventing transmission. Now, remember how it was sold. Ninety five percent effective, ninety eight percent effective, virtually 100 percent effective. Those are all terms that we heard here as we were looking through this. So what did they come up with here in this paper in their summary, uh, their interpretation? First part, they said the sole reliance on vaccination as a primary strategy to mitigate COVID-19 and its adverse consequences needs to be re-examined. That's a very uh, legit interpretation of this particular data because we're seeing the exact wrong thing here. We're not seeing what we would expect to see. So if we're going to put a large strategy on this and we're going to tell people it's really important that you get vaccinated or you're going to lose your job or get shunned or otherwise be excommunicated from society because it's that important. You'd have to be able to show me a chart to mandate that and to, and to justify that mandate you to, that has a, a line that slopes again like this going that way. We don't have that. We got a little slope that's going the other way. So it becomes a, the, the logic obviously becomes a, a little bit confusing there. Carrying on, they say, for instance, quote, in a report released from the Ministry of Health in Israel, the effectiveness of two doses of the BNT-162 vaccine against preventing COVID-19 infection was reported to be 39%, substantially lower than the trial efficacy of 96%. Yeah, I'll say 39%. That's a little bit lower than 
just a little bit. In green, it also is it is also emerging that immunity derived from the Pfizer-BioNTech vaccine may not be as strong as immunity acquired through recovery from the COVID-19 virus. Again, this is very logical sort of an interpretation that says, what do we want? If we want to get past this, come on, what do we want? We want people who legit have the ability to have a very strong immunity, right? We honestly shouldn't even have vaccine passports. We ought to have immunity passports if we were going to have anything, right? Some people are going to get one, two, three, even four jabs. People who are immunocompromised, they tend not to have a very strong immune response, even if they've been triple jabbed or quadruple jabbed. They may not even be remotely as protected or protective as somebody who had a natural infection, or somebody else who might have had one injection, right, who developed a very strong and robust immune response on the basis of that. So that's pretty fascinating. This is clearly arguing here that this whole black or white reliance on you're either vaccinated or not is a little murky. And this chart says it's not just a little murky. This chart says, Houston, we have a problem on our hands, at least for the logic as it's being um, put out and implemented across the entire landscape. This is just what the data says. If somebody has different data or another way to interpret this, let's go for it. Because this data says our strategy right now is ineffective, and that's being polite. Um, to be impolite, I would say our, the strategy of relying solely on vaccines is stupid. Um, that would be the impolite way to look at that. So, but that's just what the data says. So let's carry on, because they had a few other conclusions here in the darker brown below. Even though vaccinations offer protection to individuals against severe hospitalization, that's the other point here, and death, those would be the other points now, the CDC reported an increase from 0.01 to 9%, and from 0 to 15.1%, that's between January and May of 2021, so that date has obviously gone up higher since then, because May 2021 is like a lifetime ago in the tail off of vaccine effectiveness. What it, that was an increase from, say, nothing to 10% and from nothing to 15% in the rates of hospitalizations and deaths, respectively. So hospitalizations are, went from 0 to 10% and from 0 to 15% for deaths among fully vaccinated. So you can see here that uh, the whole idea that, that this protects, it's not fully, obviously, it's, the, the vaccines are obviously not even, not protective against catching COVID and transmitting it, clearly. But they're not fully protective against hospitalizations or deaths, but they are protective somewhat. But that's the conversation we should be having. So, again, this is a complex risk-benefit trade-off. We should be having the conversation. Of course, this matrix includes how old you are. It has a big impact on this and how many morbidities or comorbidities you have has a big impact on all of this. But we know now, based on this data, if this is all accurate, and I think it is, we should be able to say... There's somewhere in that matrix, depending on your age and health, where the risk-benefit trade-off gets a little murky. And we can also say, beyond a shadow of a doubt, that people who have natural immunity are probably the people we would want to trust most, like Sweden does, in critical positions of maybe being healthcare workers or attending to the aged or the infirm, working in nursing homes, things like that. Those would be the people who would have the strongest and most robust immunity. What we don't have good data yet on are those who have that plus have been vaccinated. How strong is that really? I wish we had better data. We just, we just don't have it yet. So here's their final interpretation down in yellow at the bottom. Quote, in summary, 
Even as efforts should be made to encourage populations to get vaccinated, it should be done so with humility and respect. Here, here. Stigmatizing populations can do more harm than good. Absolutely. Come check out my work on mass psychosis, rats in a cage, all of that. The turning of uh, people against people, the stigmatization around this issue. Once you understand this data and what it's saying, the stigmatizing, uh, obviously it falls apart. It doesn't even begin to make sense. It's very illogical. I understand it's emotional. I understand that it, it's uh, rooted in something other than the cortex, more like the amygdala. It's a little brain stemmy kind of a thing. But uh, that harm uh, can really come forward and it can really separate people, drive people apart, create all sorts of mental health issues and crises within family structures and workforces. Those are all things that are absolutely true. Continuing, quote, importantly, other non-pharmacological prevention efforts, such as the importance of basic public health hygiene with regards to maintaining safe distance or hand washing, promoting better, frequent and cheaper forms of testing, needs to be renewed in order to strike the balance of learning to live with COVID-19 in the same manner we continue to live 100 years later with various seasonal alterations of the 1918 influenza virus. In other words got to live with it. And uh, I totally support those conclusions. I think their interpretations are actually correct. Now, as you know, one of the things that I continue to talk about, and one of the things I loved earlier on in this, back in 2020, somebody in the comments below uh, YouTube nailed it. They said, I'm beginning to think that this is a gorilla 3D gardening channel because I would end every episode with plant a garden. I did that for a variety of reasons. One, I think it's really important that people gain access to the whole process of growing your own food. And it's just a wonderful rhythm. And if that works for you, fantastic. I think having some food resiliency makes a lot of sense in these times. I think as well, um, there's chances that food systems could be breaking down as early as, I think it was March or April 2020, I was talking about potential impacts on supply chains. And that was 2020, because this was all very easy to predict that we live in a very complex, just-in-time delivery system for the world. So as complex as your body is, as complex as uh, the interaction of a just 38 kilobits, not bytes, kilobits of, um, of data in a virus can come in and totally wreak havoc with your complex body system. The same thing, just having a too little energy or, or a critical resource being missing in the supply chain can have outsized impacts on what happens. We're starting to live through that. And that's why this past weekend, uh, we were walking the talk. This is a picture of the field that Evie and I own. Um, those are our three belty cows, belted Galloways over there. And we invited a bunch of people here and um, we had some demonstrations. So uh, this is, I think you can see Evie there in the middle, uh, you know, wrist deep in one of our pigs that um, we went through the processing process with. And there you can see it in the smoker. And we brought people here to see the skills and learn the skills and watch them. But most importantly, to see and talk to each other this is the most non-psychotic crowd I've been around in a while. Everybody felt that massive relief. I'm just telling you about it because we have a really cool write-up of that back at the site. You could come check that out if you want to. But as well, we're going to be holding these as yearly events. So I just wanted you to find out about it here. Uh, it was really cool. And it was just amazing to be around these particular people in this particular environment. So that's what I have for you here today. And let me see, make sure... Yeah, that's pretty much it. So, hey, guess what? We have this paper. It's very clear. It's telling us something. I'll just rewind up here and we'll look back at this. I'll just read the title here. It's The paper is increases in COVID-19 are unrelated to levels of vaccination across 68 countries and 2,947 counties in the United States. 
It's an interesting paper. We ought to be having really big conversations about this because it has enormous implications. If the vaccines are meh, so-so at preventing cases from advancing, or maybe not even so-so, and they're better than that at preventing hospitalizations and deaths, but still not perfect, we ought to be asking some serious questions about the hows and the whys of what the policies ought to be and whether we ought to be pursuing other ones. I'm really waiting for other vaccines to come along and we can see how they perform. I think we ought to be considering every possible strategy here that includes other non-pharmaceutical interventions. We ought to be talking about how to prepare the terrain. We ought to be talking about how people can be healthier. We really should be talking about what it means to not be morbidly obese or to have other comorbidities like that. And we really, at some point, have to be having a conversation about when is it appropriate to ask somebody else in a population to take a risk so that your risk is lowered. And in that, my equation is crystal clear. You would never ask your youth, your youngest, your most vibrant, your healthiest to take a risk so that your oldest and most infirm would have a slightly lower risk profile. That's not something you do in a healthy society, and it's not something we should be doing, but we should be having conversations about this, and we shouldn't be censored. We should be allowed to do this without shaming, blaming, ostracization, uh, you know, excommunication, and shunning, and all that other stuff, right? I mean, I, a lot of these people feel like they just got, like, injected into Dwight Schutz family structure, you know, in their own in their own neighborhood. So that's that's just uh, uh, unfortunate. If you don't know who that is, uh, that's the office reference from the TV show. So at any rate, that's what I have for you today. If you want to come on by Peak Prosperity here, check out what, we're, what we have going on. We have an incredible community there. I'm really proud of them. I'm really proud of the people who showed up. And I'm really happy that uh, we are beginning to have um, associations where we can come together and be positive and build towards a future we can all believe in, especially and including the young people. That's what I have for you today. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time.